your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'd stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that will soon die in a bizarre gardening accident Brought to you by The Man with the Mallard Tattoo, the latest book by Roy Battersby. <laughs> Just when you thought he was out, they drag him back in. Filcher's <laughs> back on the case. The long-awaited 23rd book in the saga is finally here. 23rd. Lured out of his retirement in Guernsey by the re-emergence of his arch-nemesis, Dr. Phosphorus, Filcher must find the elusive Man with the Mallard Tattoo, or risk losing West Bromwich forever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've spent a lot of time on that. Good work. <laughs> I'm pre-ordering that. It yeah. is. I mean, <laughs> I'm all over it. The 23rd sounds like the best. It is. I mean, sounds like the peak. Comes in at a whopping 982 pages, <laughs> wow. as usual. Um, not one as word usual. of it filler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to stick around. Um, this is you wouldn't have guessed from that, but this is uh, our music top five for 2016. Coming to you probably in March 2017. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'm here uh, with music expert Michael Johnson. What up? Uh, music expert Clive Fisher. Hey up. Music and musicals expert James Cable. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Right, guys. Um, I can barely remember 2016, so good luck. Um, <laughs> Say. Uh, I heard Michael, it was pretty shit, but... I know Michael thinks it was a strong year for music, at least, if not for, you know, humanity. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it was a strong, strong year for music. My list is pretty strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got nothing else to say. Any other. No, it's, right. it's been a very good year, and it's very hard to pick a top five to the extent yeah, where I'm going gonna, gonna to say which other five battled it out for my number five spot. There's a kind of cop-out. <laughs> right, but, okay. Uh, yeah, the, the top three are fairly... We're fairly locked in, but the other two were pretty tough to decide. And it was basically a case of whatever I was listening to, to decide whether it should go in, I decided it should go in. So it was <laughs> whichever ones I'd listened to last. So then I, yeah. Anyway, it was tough. It was tough. Right, okay. Has everyone enjoyed World Book Day? Has everyone uh, read a book? Uh, I've been reading a book, not like a complete right. book. Uh, obviously, a I've, a book. obviously I've been reading our free copy of <laughs> yeah. The Man with the Mallard Tattoo. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> How's that going? Uh, well, I'm 200 pages in, and Felcher <laughs> is in trouble, let me tell you. <laughs> and still no filler? No, not, not one word of filler in the entire thing. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. Impressive. Michael, read any books today? I have not, I'm afraid, no. Um, All right. Letting the side down there. I read my children, um, Jack and the Baked Beanstalk. Which oh. is a, um, an adaptation of obviously Jack and the Beanstalk. Uh, yeah, so that was fun. I also dressed up as Frodo using Cable's costume. Well, was, that was, that, was that because you were lazy with your hair and you wanted someone to go? <laughs> I think it was partly that, wasn't it? You do well, have I, I, was, I was supposed to be Robin Hood, but I didn't have a bow and arrow and I came into school and everyone said I looked like Frodo. So yeah, I just went. He had my green cloak on, so which I, went I right. had from my uh, outfit. Yeah. I mean, really. On this podcast, we have given Flux grief for being roughly the size of a hobbit, but you do have, <laughs> you do have hobbit hair. I'd say you're equally hobbitous. 
if, you, if they had a love child, it probably would be a hobbit. <laughs> What's my most hobbit-like feature? Um, your neck. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> What's mine? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if you have a hobbit. You're you're more of a Legolas of the group. <laughs> more of a Legolas. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, that's I'll take Gimli. You know, mine, my axe. <laughs> You're definitely a Gimli. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, without further ado, anyway, um, let's get this rolling. Uh, number five for James Cable, please. Okay. Boom. Well, I'll, are we I doing think... fives and fours? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. Let's, let's do that. that. Let's keep let's it up for Whiz through yeah. it. Whiz through it. Okay. Fives and fours, and, and then afterwards we'll be more deep in I'll, depth. I'll, okay. <laughs> do, you want me, do you want me to go? Through? Clive said you, you said you were going to go through some which didn't quite make your list. But are you going to do that first? I'm just going to mention the names. Of I'll, it too, I'll just yeah. mention them first. Well. I'll do it slightly differently. I'll mention albums which I've got, I've bought on vinyl, which very closely made, almost made the list, but I haven't got. And that would be Dusky Outer, which I talked about before, Justice Woman, um, which I talked about, and Let's Eat Grandma, I Gemini, which I didn't talk about, but it's also a fantastic album. And now onto my top five, top, uh, number five. It's an album which we did talk about. It's the album Goodness by the Hotelier. Um, it topped our first ever podcast which was a top five in 2014 that well, sorry their previous album did um and this album is top it is making my top five of this year yeah it's growing up it's I, I loved it when it came out and when i talked about it before i sort of said i didn't quite like it as much as their previous album but i still loved it and it's grown on me since then and now i'd say it's probably equal equal footing they're very different albums um this album that this album is it's they they use a lot of instrumental layering more differently to the previous album, especially the guitars, and um, the play the way they interplay with each other is sort of fascinating, and yeah, everything they've done on this album just keeps me listening, and it's different and includes like spoken word elements, but yeah, it's the first album was I think held it as like a fourth wave emo classic. I don't know if this would would become a classic in terms of a genre, but it's definitely a very very good album. And um, that's my number five. Uh, my number four is. Now I'm going to I'm going to sound like a broken record here because I talk about this guy a lot, um, but it's appropriate though for this podcast. <laughs> but it's uh, he, he's to, he topped he, well he made my top five TV shows list with his uh, t- TV show that he created in 2016, and he's my he's my number four in my music list. Um, Donald Glover also known as Childish Gambino in his music um, career with the album Awaken My Love. Um, I've not talked about this album yet because it came out in, in December. Going back to what else he's done, he's he's it's been a Grammy-winning year for him, um, for for his TV show, and he's also landed a couple of major roles in upcoming Disney films, and he also has come obviously on the Stick Around Best of list, and yeah, I haven't talked about this album before. It's quite a vast departure from his previous efforts. He's ditched rap for funk worship, which was very sort of it's very different and it shocked a lot of people and. For me, it was very exciting because I got I got into funk and disco and soul music quite a bit this year. Um, although I, I personally loved his previous work, his previous albums, he received criticism for them for being self-indulgent and not really writing songs that were hard-hitting enough or really talked about anything in particular. And they he was criticised for having too many like jokes and punchlines and not much substance. Um, but that's sort of what I loved about those about his previous two albums um, and his mixtapes. They were just a lot of fun and. While I may not have tackled like serious subjects, although they did, they did delve into some of that. They were just really, really fun. Um, but it's safe to say that his, his newest album is uh, probably his most widely accessible. 
um, and makes it's the most connective album to date. It's just the, the production is majestic and lush. Um, the nostalgia of the era he's playing homage to is exquisite. The emotion is raw. The connection is sincere, and the little embellishments that he that are on the different tracks are just the little delicate touches, which just set me off. Um, there's ri rich, vast instrumentation, and he's got one hell of a singing voice, um, which he sort of he's done a bit of on previous tracks, but obviously it's mostly rap. Uh, but there's no, no rap on this. Um, he manages to play homage to his heroes, um, and he sticks largely to the vibe they created, but he introduces like more modern arrangements and even futuristic type elements. Um, I've read people criticising for harking back to the feelings that his heroes managed to create, but without creating any himself, which I'm not going to pretend to be a like a historian in fun console, but I, I sort of disagree with that. I sort of got lots of lots out of it in terms of emotion and feelings. And the Roots drummer Questlove, who is a music historian and music nerd, Apparently he posted on Instagram as soon as it came out and he, that he woke up D'Angelo at 4am in the morning to make him listen to it, that he loved it that much. So if someone like him appreciates it, it must be good. Um, I think the thing that stands out for me about it is that other than its hard left turn in terms of its genre, uh, it's something which fits in with that. Um, is that instead of, like his previous albums, he was very specific in what he talked about. Um, and on this album, he's very like he uses a lot of like storm cloud metaphors, in, in, by which I mean he lets you sort of delve into the read your own meaning into it and delve into it that way rather than coming up with lots of pop culture references and jokey punchlines and there's none of that. Um, I do miss that off of his songs, I miss his rapping um, I sort of hope he hasn't abandoned that forever but um, this, uh, this outing was very exciting in uh, many other ways and yeah, it's just uh, I really like the album. It's just it was just really refreshing and different from what I was expecting from him. Um, and Charlie Gambino has collaborated with someone else who is on my top five list. Just Ooh. a little. Uh, I think I know who that is. Insight there for Possibly. you. Possibly. Um, cool. Very right, exciting. Okay. Would you at this point like to just declare your love for Donald Glover in general? I do. I I just <laughs> think he's yeah he's very. I've, yeah. As your favourite artist working. No, no, he's not my favourite artist, I wouldn't say, but I, I like that he's very eclectic in what he does and he's got his fingers in lots of pies and he seems a very talented guy in all sorts of sorts of areas. And he might not have been critically acclaimed as highly as some other people in um, like one area. He manages to successfully like be very, very good in lots of different things. Um, and, yeah. Right, okay. Fantastic. Um, does anybody have any comments on the album? Any other listeners? I've not listened to the Childish Gambino one. I'll stay silent on the other one. <laughs> okay. you've, heard, you've heard some of the songs of Childish Gambino. Um, I have, yeah. I have heard a few because uh, someone at school really likes them and Cable's been playing some. So Yeah. Yeah, and I've liked what I've listened, but I've never listened to the full album, so can't Michael. comment that much. Uh, I haven't listened to either artist, although both have been on my radar for a, a bit, so I pro probably should have by now. Um, and Donald Glover especially it's Atlanta is sure is that right now yeah it is yeah yeah. Um, I know a band who a group who appear in that have already create, uh, created an early contender for album of this year for me so, oh, right. he, so he's that? that's uh, Migos so he's um, he's popped up on my radar already this year um, right. I should prob probably uh, give, give his stuff a listen you're especially interested in me with the Questlove and D'Angelo uh, yeah, yeah I thought that was good <laughs> yeah so yeah cool. fantastic right okay um We'll stick in Sheffield. Um, wow. Clive, what to are you The most five? unprepared man on the planet. 
Uh, what are you on number five and number four? I'll go, I'll go and get you a beer, Clive. Seeing yeah, please get me a beer, because otherwise I might collapse. Um, <laughs> I've just changed one of them, so this could only go pos- could only really go wrong. Um, it was... Oh, it's so hard, my four and five. Other contenders which haven't currently made the cut were Parquet Courts, Chance the Rapper, Nothing, Frank Ocean and Aesop Rock. But I've gone for, at the last minute... I'm going to go with number five as Whitney, Light Upon the Lake, um, which is an album I've reviewed on the podcast, so I won't talk about it massively in depth. Um, but it's kind of a pretty sort of uh, breezy pop, but not the kind of the more 60, 70. That was the first live opening of a canon on uh, the podcast. <laughs> oh, I love me some <laughs> Sorry Bud. Sorry to interrupt you there. But... <laughs> by Budweiser. King of, king of beers. Cheers. King of podcasts. On the King of Podcast. Yeah. This pod's Sorry, for Clive, you. Oh. <laughs> you can interrupt me with a beer anytime. Was I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, you guys. Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but more a pop sound, more in a kind of 60s, 70s vein. So, you know, not the overproduced kind of sound that you'd probably imagine with pop now. Um, it just came out of nowhere, brushed my ears with a perfect summer sound I've written here. Uh, the vocals are kind of imperfect yet accessible. The songs are really well written, but kind of simple in their structure. Um, like I've said a million times before, it's like it's the perfect summer kind of cruising album with catchy melodies that you still enjoy as much on the 500th listen as you do on the first. Uh, it's an album you probably like straight away, not one that you have to listen to a lot, but also one that doesn't get boring, which I think is quite rare. I think it usually it's either a grower... Or if you immediately like it, it's very difficult. It, um, you get bored of it after a bit. This doesn't do that. So, yeah. And it's one that I haven't heard much talk about. So, Whitney, Light Upon the Lake, definitely one to check out. I probably should have researched some information about the bands, but I haven't. So. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, album review. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's really good. That's number five. Um, number four. Let me just have a look at my list here. What shall I go for? Number four, I'm going to go with, I stayed silent earlier, Goodness um, by The Hotelier, which Cable mentioned as his number five, so I won't go massively in depth. But uh, we saw this band this year, one of my favourite gigs, not quite up there with the Wonder Years where we went. I don't think we've had a podcast since that, but was hands down my favourite gig of the year. And prob- I've been thinking about it, probably my favourite gig ever. I just had the fucking greatest time ever. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, they didn't release an album this year, disappointingly. Uh, so, but anyway, goodness, Hotelier, that, yeah, really good. I pretty much agree with what every, everything Cable said. It's very different to the first album, which I like, uh, that they're trying different things, but it's still really good. And it is definitely, I think the first album was more of a, like, immediately... It wasn't their first album, but... You, well, the, fir- the one, yeah. Yeah, the previous album. <laughs> the previous Sorry album. Sorry to correct you there, but... No, they've got three of them. Yeah, they have. Yeah, but I haven't listened to the first. <laughs> it's the first that I've listened to, uh, <laughs> which is all that matters. Um, yeah, it's very different to that one. I haven't listened to the first one, but it's just... This one's got more like... It's more of a bait. I think the bass and drums dominate this one a lot, which I really like. Yeah. And then, whereas the last one had much more guitar-based stuff, but it makes the... where When the guitars and stuff come in on this one, it makes for some really, like, more impactful crescendos, like on, I think it's called Soft Animal. Mm-hmm. At the end of that, there's a really awesome bit, and yeah, I think yeah. the bass riffs throughout are really, really good. And it's just got this kind of more plodding feel to it that I really like, where... The singing over the top is like really emotional, while the backing track isn't going over the top. No, I know, it's hard yeah. to explain, but I, agree, it, yeah. I think it works really well. It kind of just creates this kind of undercurrent of sound for him to <laughs> kind of not scream over the top of, but sing loudly. Yeah, the production is definitely very different. Yeah, definitely. And I, I thought way. that was really, really good. 
So that's my number four. Well, one thing I, which I've just remembered was, I think I mentioned last time, and I think I probably stole it from some, somewhere else, was that if their previous album was about like heartbreak and breaking up with someone, this album was like about getting over it, which I think was quite a nice analogy. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Because it's also the first album is probably more like, rah, 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 just kind of like riffs everywhere, getting pretty angry. Yeah. This one's more, I'm it's starting more to calm a, down a bit. It's isn't it, a bit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can see that, definitely. But no, it's a, it's a really, really great album. Yeah. Everyone should check it out. So that's two great albums from them in a row. Because, yeah, as Cable mentioned, that was my number one, I think, on yeah the very first podcast we did, or very first music podcast we did anyway. Hmm. back in the day so very excited for to see what they do next um, yeah that's me done five and four right okay any comments Cable no I've just obviously, I've, obviously I've I know you've commented on one of them already but I've not heard the other album that you talked about no I don't think many go. people have but check it out yeah Michael any thoughts um, I've, I don't really know anything about Whitney but I believe they may be playing at Coachella unless I've made that up so which you're, which you're oh, going here to we go, you, here we go. Pitchfork like them, which is all here, here we go, showing off about Coachella again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, again. Oh, you know, First time it's been mentioned on a podcast. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> We're just talking about life in general, Michael. You know, it's just like I was going down the shops the other day to get some milk, and did oh. I mention I was going to Coachella? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why were you talking about going to the shops, getting some milk? Well, basically, <laughs> sounds quite mundane. He wanted an excuse to talk about Coatella class. I mean, that's the joke. Um, um, yeah, okay. Right. Not, naturally, I have not heard these albums. Um, at this point, I should say, by the way, I've basically got a top two or three as a, you know, a bit of a music pleb here. I'll point out my, top, my one, my number one later on. Um, should it appear on anyone's list, I'm not sure. Okay, uh, cool. Right, we're back in Stockton now, um, and we're with Michael Johnson for this five and four. Thank you. Well, I am. Um, oh, sorry. Ch- cheers for that. <laughs> <laughs> I also prepared a list of things that didn't make it, but because it's fairly extensive and it might spoil other people's lists, I'll leave it till the end. Uh, it was just to, just to emphasise how strong a year I thought this was. Some really great stuff that hasn't made my top five. Um, but at five, I've got an album that I suspect will be appearing on other people's lists which is 22 A Million by Bonnie Vare. The best album for me in a very strong but still pretty short catalogue from Justin Vernon and his band. Obviously, we talked about it at length on the podcast previously, but it plunges the concept of the singer-songwriter album into the digital world. It's extremely layered and bears additional surprises on repeat listens. I almost feel like the album manifests itself differently on each repeat listen, which I think is a very strong quality in an album. And there are, there are snapshots of melody on this that are as memorable as any hooks or verses, which again also uh, indicates how strong it is. There's an outstanding economical approach to vocalism from Justin Vernon throughout the album. And although the songs present a fractured facade, it's purely cosmetic. The compositions are definitely stewed over, as they usually are where he's concerned. Uh, the album reaches some truly gorgeous heights, and even the interlude-style tracks stand up very strongly, especially on repeat listens. So yeah, um, only a short album, but um, a, a very good one. One of my favourite favourites of the year. And then at number four, I've got an album that I don't think we've ever discussed on the podcast, uh, which is Blonde by Frank Ocean. Uh, a, a very rewarding album, which is somewhat more avant-garde than the already fairly unconventional Channel Orange, his debut uh, studio, major label album. Um, 
it's another like like Bonnie Iver's album. It's another singer songwriter set which seems very lovingly crafted. Um, and on Channel Orange, Pyramids, which is arguably my favourite track of the decade in any genre, was the the centerpiece of that album. Really, um, this one opens with uh, another potential centerpiece in the form of Nike. So it's interest, interesting sequencing in that this this time, what maybe the strongest track on the album for me at least is at the start. Um, but within the opening bars of of that song. Uh, Ocean's already referenced the NBA and Shakespeare in the in the space of two lines, and later in the song he paraphrases Barack Obama. I think this sort of lyrical style shows how his work's often referential, but more than that he brings a, an astonishingly novelistic sentiment to bear in his work, more so than perhaps anyone else in mainstream American music. Um, and he's often uh, expressed his desire to write a novel in the past. I'm not sure if that actually happened in the end because I wasn't particularly interested in that. Uh, I would just say, besides all of that sort of thing, that it shows up, it can really shows up in his lyrics. But put quite simply, he's the torch singer of his generation. That's how I'd describe him. Uh, the front end of the album is the most accessible. Solo is another highlight. And the re- there's a recurring cen- central theme, which is one of the finest little fragments of music of many years that crops up throughout the album repeatedly. It's highly evocative. Um, a lot of people thought that the, the shorter skit-like tracks were filler, but for me, that that little piece, piece of music, it's on its own, makes them all worthwhile. Um, Andre 3000 pops up, uh, continuing his decade-long, it seems, list of guest spots, which could, could have been rolled together into an excellent album. Uh, it's been a long time since we heard any um, anything in the form of a studio recording from him unfortunately but his guest spots are always worth it certainly on this album uh, the back end of the album is where the tracks which require the most time to blossom are located tracks like Futura Free and Godspeed and it's in that sense that the album really lends itself to repeat listens and I'd, I'd call it no less than a masterpiece bam strong, strong words um, I'll chip in with a few thoughts on uh, Bon Iver. I haven't listened to Frank Ocean all I'll say is I mean, I can't match Michael's uh, lexicon there, but um, I would say that it's something special when an artist can do three different albums which are so different, at least to me anyway. At first, it was a bit of a shock to the system when I was listening to it, but on repeat listen, and it is actually... I know it doesn't sound like a gym album, but it's a favourite of mine to listen to at the gym. Really? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's... I I was I, I've been very impressed by it. It was my least favorite of, of the albums, and now I'm really not sure. What's your favorite uh, exercise to do to, to that album? Uh, well, I only well, really do I only really do two or three exercises. But it's usually running, but uh, <laughs> however, I, I should point out at this point that my favorite running track is um, a bit of an insult, actually. Uh, my favorite running track is "Freedom" by Beyonce. Um, there's a particular line in it. <laughs> gonna keep on running because a winner don't quit on themselves and I'm think I was thinking to myself that's a great running track but then I thought hang on that's that's a song about you know racial inequality that I've reduced to <laughs> a, a white man's running track <laughs> <laughs> probably the most racist thing I've ever exactly done exactly <laughs> what she was protesting when she wrote it <laughs> anyway uh, any any other thoughts on Bonavera or Frank Ocean 
I've listened to um, Frank Ocean, like I said, was one of the ones that was uh, in contention, made my top mm. ten. I've listened to it, re- I've only really got around to listening to it a few weeks ago, but I really, really loved it. And yeah, pretty much agree with Michael. I think it's like a sort of urban, um, song, an urban interpretation of like a singer-songwriter album, isn't it? That's the yeah. way I felt yeah, about def- it. And I think it is definitely, agree. definitely a, it is pretty avant-garde and... I think it has to be... There are definitely two or three songs on it that work out of context really well, but I think most of it kind of works as a journey. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. it, and I think it's the kind of thing you have to li- really listen to and pay attention to it, but, and listen yeah. to it at night. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, for sure. Yeah, I think it's really, really good. I, yeah, having initially like listened to a couple of songs and thought, I'm definitely going to like this, um, I ended up really, really loving it. So definitely comes recommended from me as well. Like I say, it was in my top ten, and I listened to about 40-odd albums this year, so... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. they're the ones I rated. I listen to much more, <laughs> but usually ones that I listen to and I'm like, this isn't my thing. I don't even bother to rate them. So, cool. Yeah, I've cool. Listened, I've listened to the Frank Ocean album, but I've not given it enough time yet. I did really like it though. It's quite long as well, so it needs. Yeah, you yeah. definitely need to give it some time. Yeah, I was lucky. Well, I was unlucky that I had to do a shit ton of marking, <laughs> so I had it on like three times in a row, I think. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's really really good. Cool, solid start. Right, okay. It's um it's number three time. Um mm-hmm. James Cable, what have you got? Well I was just try- I was just frantically trying to research something because this the my number three, I th- I don't know if I don't know if um Andre three thousand who Michael mentioned featured on his latest album, but it was definitely rumoured that he would collaborate with him, and that's Chance the Rapper, who released his third mixtape colouring book this year, and Clive briefly mentioned him earlier. Um, yeah, no, narrowly no. missed his Indeed. So, yeah, I obviously was aware that you got into him recently. And yeah, what a year Chance the Rapper's had. He was named 2016 Game Changer. I can't remember who, who by now, but um, he's broken streaming records. He's um, he's started various activism and outreach activities in his native Chicago. Um, he's featured on what was considered by many as the best track of Kanye's 2016 album, Life of Pablo. Um, he had seven Grammy nominations, of which he won three, Best New Artist, Best Rap Album and Best rap performance um, one of his tracks contains a shout out to this very podcast <laughs> it does <laughs> quite a few um, and he did all of that without selling selling a single album um, through a record company he's an independent artist I'm not, I'm not actually quite sure how it works with Spotify whether he makes money out of that I possibly does but it's def- yeah he's an independent artist um, he said that he wants to give the idea of freedom back to musicians and artists um, on the track Blessings, he raps, I don't make songs for free, I make them for freedom. The album showcases his politics, his hopes and fears. He delves into his spirituality and his faith, um, but without preaching. Um, and much of this is backed up by the happy, joyful sound of gospel choirs. Um, he talks about his city, Chicago, and the crisis that it's been going through. He talks about his daughter and the struggle of being the world's most famous unsigned musician. Uh, it's very personal, but it's a very relatable record. Which I think is a very good quality of any musician. Uh, can you manage to do that? Um, he does it with the help of steel drums, organs, brass. Uh, the majority of the album is backed up by his uh, trusted collaborators, a social experiment, who are a jazz infused um, neo soul band of artists. Um, and that puts out his love of that type of music, uh, which is evident. And uh, there's a long, long list of featured artists. and I, I, I don't think Andrea 3000 featured on it, but I think it was rumoured that he might at the, beforehand. But Kanye's on it, um, Lil Wayne, Future, Justin Bieber. Um, it's 
it's just it's uplifting, life-affirming music, and it's just really, really fun. It's really bright, it's really pretty, it's really dreamy, and yeah, just really uplifting. And it came out in the summer, but it's very, it's got a very summery feel. Life, I feel like, um, and yeah, I just it was just a breath of breath of fresh air. I really loved it. Um, and he is the first of two on my list who have connections with Kanye. Wow. And, I'm liking yeah. all these uh, <laughs> clues um, for what's the other links. There's definitely links between them. But anyway, yeah. Charles, uh, I'm sorry, Charles the Rapper. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, this was actually on my number five, literally before you mentioned the goodness, then I quickly switched them around. But yeah, I've absolutely loved it. What I really love about this album is how, how kind of a positive, happy album it is. Yeah. Which I think is something that is pretty hard to pull off without being really cheesy. Um, but is a sort of a theme in my list, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think the thing that made it not quite make my top five is that I'm not too keen on like the last three tracks or so. I don't dislike them. I just don't think they're as anywhere near as good as what's at the start. But I do think it's a really, really good album. And I think it's just I loved it because I'd listened to, because it's quite a long album, I think it's like an hour. Um, I'd listened to most of it, but not the three tracks. Because right. <laughs> I'd always stopped yeah. at that point. <laughs> uh, so yeah. It's a, definitely a really, really good, really good album. And like I say, it was so probably my number six then, I guess. <laughs> really good. And I hadn't listened to Chance really at all before that, so definitely going to go and listen to his, it's def- other, it's definitely his, his other like, two albums. His, pre- his previous work is definitely very, very good, but this album, I feel like he's come into his own a bit and he's mm. like found what he wanted to do and, you know, he's matured and this is him. It's definitely really singular, like there's nothing else that really sounds like it, I don't think. No. It's really good. Cool. Any thoughts, Michael? Uh, well, I still haven't listened to him, but it was it was certainly one of the most acclaimed albums of the year. Yeah, um, I'm sure I'll get around. Well, to he's it not released in physical format, so that is another problem. Yeah, that is your problem. I think that is like legitimately something that's uh, stopped me listening to him yet, which sounds yeah. ridiculous. I know, but I keep yeah. meaning to. Well, I think Clive downloaded it, and I keep meaning to get get it ripped and send it to you illegally. Wow! <laughs> just just for the purposes of review. Absolutely. <laughs> Part of Michael Johnson's charm, though, is an analog man in a digital world. <laughs> Except for the fact that uh, CDs are digital, but yeah. Well, anyway, are they know. though? <laughs> <laughs> next, next thing you were telling me, DVDs are digital. <laughs> um. <laughs> Right, okay. By the way, I just had a news flash pop up on my phone there, which is music related, and I thought um, I better give this a mention. Live news, is it? Yeah, it's some interview with Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran, I got hammered and cracked Justin Bieber in the face with a golf club. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I hope this really happened. Uh, It's from The Guardian, and it's from the horse's mouth, so I'm assuming he's not lying. So it's not fake news. (laughs) No, probably not fake news. Is that the, is that the new thing? Probably not fake news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Don't you? Sounds, cracking, sounds like a cracking story. <laughs> it does. It does. I'm going to have to read that afterwards. Um, right, okay. Um, sticking in Sheffield. Clive, what's your number three? My number three is Pine Grove with the album Cardinal, uh, which I reviewed right at the start of the year. Car- uh, Cardinal? Pinegrove are an alt-country emo band from Montclair, New Jersey. And uh, this is their second album, the only one that I've released, that I've re- what, listened to, that was released, I'm getting quite tired, released in <laughs> February this year. Um, it's 30 minutes long, perfect album length. It's a really a perfect sort of short burst alt-country album 
takes a little influence from uh, pop punk and emo. It's got a breezy and yet kind of moving quality to it. It's kind of quite life-affirming and uplifting. Um, the vocals have a lot of character, like I think one reviewer mentioned... I can't remember who it was exactly, but he said that in the kind of country sphere, people always try to sound old, um, whereas this guy isn't afraid to sound young, uh, which I think is a very good a very good point. He's got kind of, I don't know, he finds melodies that he can't necessarily sing perfectly, but he's more than happy to go and have a crack at it. And I find, um, I think that's really, really adds to the sound kind of, that he's not just singing things that he can nail every note of. Uh, it gives it a more passionate feel. Um, and the vocals have much more character because of that. I really like the jangly guitars, and which kind of give it a nice ramshackle vibe. I just think it's a really kind of great overall sound that they've created, and the songwriting is really, really good throughout, and it's kind of... It's an emotional listen, but in a happy way, again, generally speaking, even though some of the topics are quite dark. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a, a really, really... Good album, again, that hasn't got tons of press. Well, the people who've listened to it have generally really, really liked it, but it hasn't got that much press as far as I'm aware. Um, but I'd really, really recommend it, and people should check it out, particularly if you're a fan of either pop-punk, emo, or alt-country. I think if you're a fan of any of those three things, you'll probably like it. Right. Um, has anyone else listened to this? Needless to say, I have I don't think I've listened to the full album, but I've definitely heard their songs come on on... You know, on Spotify, you're playing an album afterwards, it comes on with mm. like, um, similar songs. I definitely heard some of their songs on after that, and I really liked it, so probably should give it a go. Yeah, definitely, I'd recommend it. Really, really good. So that's my number three. Michael, any thoughts? Um, well, no, I mean, I haven't listened to it, um, but Clive talks about so many albums in this area that I've not heard of, I think I need to step my game up. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's my version of your death metal, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, right. I feel like I should review a musical at some point. Things I've been like given this title of being the music and musical. Um, you do need to love it to at some point, otherwise it will get stripped from you. But yeah, maybe you could maybe you could join us on the next film podcast and review La La Land. I don't know if you've oh, seen yeah. it. But... No, I have. I did. I have seen it. Right. Well, I, I, also, I also realised that there's a film that I, I completely forgot about, which might have been my number one uh, for last year that I didn't talk about. <laughs> so I want to talk about that. And I know Clive's seen it as well recently. I have. We can have a discussion. Oh, bring that. You can bring that up on the next on the next film podcast then. Right. Yeah. Um, we're back in Stockton uh, with Michael Johnson and DGBP, whatever that means. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Anna. I will tell you. Yes, at three, I've gone for Bottomless Pit by Death Grips. Oh, uh, I thought um, it might be Death Grips. The, the latest album from a potential band of the decade, as I know I've said before. Uh, there's less verbal waxing, really, to get to than the previous two albums I mentioned with this one. Um, it's much more of balls out of the bath in terms of sound. But um, <laughs> it's, I would say it's their second most essential recording after their instant classic, The Money Star, from 2012. I'd, I'd say Death Grips are part of a transatlantic selection of musicians who, in the face of catastrophic political developments, uh, particularly in the last year, that have often been attributed to angry men, are proving that blokes who are looking to tear down the boundaries and institutions in front of them can still be progressive. Um, some of the art, other artists I'm thinking of are uh, Young Fathers, Run the Jewels, Sleaford Mods, I'm sure there's some others that I'm not familiar with, who fall into the same bracket. Uh, on this album, Death Grips turned to cyber, uh, more of a cyberpunk sound often since the addition of um, 
uh, con- contributing guitarist Nick Reinhardt, who also played on their previous album, The Powers That Be. Um, it, their sound is an unprecedented reimagining of hip-hop and punk, which is simultaneously breathing new life into both genres, uh, in my opinion. It's a, it's a chaotic sound which really breaks out of the speakers right from the start um, with the track Giving Bad People Good Ideas, which has an explosive sound very much in the same vein as the opening track on the second disc of the previous album, The Powers That Be, which was brilliantly titled I Break Mirrors With My Face In The United States. Um, <laughs> and as along with uh, along with uh, Giving Bad People Good Ideas, the opening trifecta of Hothead and Spikes as well, are uh, really very in your very in your face openings of the album. Uh, other tracks like Trash and Houdini superbly realise the band's signature mix of revolutionary spirit and malicious songcraft as strongly as any of the best tracks on the Money Store did. And I would just describe this as another brilliant album from what I would say is an exhilarating act. Cool. This is one I haven't got around to listen to, but really want no, to. No, me neither. I actually could have could have guessed that thinking about if I'd spent a bit more time on DG. Yeah, I've mentioned them a lot. Uh, I got the DG instantly for some reason. I don't know why. I thought it was going to be death something, but I thought I was thinking more death metal. (laughs) I haven't. Like Michael has given me some death grips, and I haven't really given them a good listen yet. But um, I know Ellen, uh, my girlfriend, is a big fan. Yeah, this sounds interesting. I think this this will be one from your list that I'll definitely give a listen. Since have I got it? Have you given it to me? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. I better give it a listen then. Right, um, okay, so we're into number two time. Um, number two time. Number two. I was number expecting poo time. Oh, there we go. That, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> There's always a poo joke. I was just about to say I was expecting an immature joke there. Um, disappointed I didn't what get you it saying? instantly. Um, are you saying it from anyone in particular or just in general? Well, for, I was expecting it from you, but that's to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, James Cable, what's your number? What's your number two? Well, I've I've just realised that my top three all have links to Kanye West. Oh, fuck Right, that. okay. Wow. Uh, to be fair, he features about 700 people on the album. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my number two, and who is also used to be houseplates with my number three, Chance the Rapper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is quite a incestuous list. Yeah. Um, and he also has my number one featuring on this album. So, um, it's James Blake and his album The Colour and Everything. I've had a bit of a sort of rough ride with James Blake, if I'm very honest. Um, I first <laughs> I first heard of him back in 2010, 2011, when he released his first album. And I really, really liked some of the songs that came out of singles and stuff. And I saw him at Glastonbury and I absolutely loved his set. He was electric. And I tried getting into his album and I just I just couldn't really. It just didn't, I just didn't really get it as a whole. And it just wasn't as good as seeing him live. And it was kind of like that with his second album as well. Um, so I've always like appreciated that he was an, he's an incredible artist, but I could never really fully connect with the albums. And then his third album came out this year, and it was kind of the same at first. Um, it, this album is pretty long; it's an hour and a quarter long, which I know is like probably twice as long as Clive's preferred album, and me as well, to be honest. And <laughs> I wouldn't say I got bored, but I just wasn't able to sort of stick with it. Um, and then in 2016 uh, was the year that I sort of finally. James Blake clicked for me, like, all, all round. I knew I'd be seeing him live again at um, Field Day Festival, so I decided to just put his discography on shuffle while I was just doing stuff around, around the flat and, like, in the car and stuff, and somehow it just clicked. Like, I just got into all of his songs and all of his albums, and I don't know why. I think the songs just finally sunk in, and 
I listened to him as an artist on Shuffle again and again. And I just sort of fell in love with his music. And yeah, I saw him. I saw him live twice this year. I don't know. It's just it's so hard to explain. But seeing him live is just it's just something different. Um, his songs become fleshier and more intense. Everything just seems to be turned up a notch. Uh, more aggressive, more urban. Every, every electronic bleep is bolder. Every thud is deeper. The bass is a kind of bass that like gets inside you and like vibrates every vein and artery in your body, and you can sort of feel your um, heart pumping the blood around your body. And it's just, but but it's just still so perfectly balanced and precise. And the atmosphere that he and his band somehow managed to create is just it's just spine chilling. And my my James Blake live experiences are just like no other. Clive said that his probably his less his best um, live experience was Wonder Years this year. Mine is probably probably James Blake. I'm going to say. And yeah, it just puts me in a trance, and it's almost like a religious or cult-like experience. I just, I sort of go in there, and then I come out, and I'm just like, wow, what just happened? And um, you know, when people say like that was a great gig, great gig, but it was just like the record, I would have liked to see something else. Well, I don't know any other artist where you get more than you do with James Blake. Like it is like the record, but it's just so much more. And he and his band perform it all live with no aid from a laptop. He swears by his drummer and his guitarist, who are both incredible, and he says he couldn't do it without them. Um, and his music is just absolutely unique. He manages to mix like dubstep style rhythms with classical piano and this angsty, like beautiful wailing voice that he's got. And he delivers like perfect electronic pop, soul, house, dubstep type music. It's just, I don't know how, it's just nothing, there's nothing else like it. And his voice is just incredible. Uh, I don't know how he manages to do some of the things he does with his, with his God given voice. And yeah, he's, gar he's garnered some pretty big celebrity respect over the years. He's Kanye's favorite artist. Um, he wrote for and appeared on Beyonce's album Lemonade, and yeah, he used to be ha he used to be housemates with Chance, who's had a great year last year, and he's collaborated with uh, Justin Vernon, and Justin Vernon is on this album. I haven't really talked much about the album itself, but to tell you the truth, I've only actually listened to it in its full entirety twice, once when it came out, and then once quite recently. Just when I was thinking about this list, I thought I fucking love James Blake this year, and. I've listened to all of the songs, but I need to listen to this album again. I listened to it, and I listened to it, and it was the second time I listened to it, and I knew all the songs. I loved every single one. I just, I just got spine chills, and I absolutely, it just 100% deserves this place on this list. And yeah, it's kind of a shocker that it was even on my list, but then when I came around to think about it, it's just, but yeah, it's definitely really up there. Um, so yeah. Cool. I I haven't listened to James Blake at all. I've got to be honest. Um, I heard overheard someone talking about him not that long ago. And right. I instantly thought they were talking about James Blunt. And I thought, <laughs> what the fuck? When did he become relevant? <laughs> <laughs> a national treasure. I mean, uh, yeah, aside from the fact that his Twitter account is probably the funniest thing his, on the His internet. Twitter account is my favourite thing on the internet. <laughs> Michael, are you a James Blake fan or a James Blunt fan? I'm not a James Blunt fan, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, James Blake, uh, his, his debut self-titled album is very solid in my opinion. Um, yeah. I think when it came out, I can't believe that was... Seven years ago now, I think. Mm. Uh, six years, maybe. Uh, I think it was one of those albums that we uh, we knew was going to be influential, and I think it has been. Uh, my f my favourite part of it is the uh, the double double part suite Lindisfarne, which is oh, incredible. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Um, the second album didn't add, it didn't hit me as much as it did a lot of people. I think it won the Mercury Music Prize. Um, right, but it did have some some strong stuff on it still. Uh, but I think. It was the length which Cable mentioned of this. I like. I looked at mm. it and wasn't convinced that James Blake could carry an album that long, which is probably why I haven't listened to it yet. Um, but I, I think it's one I'll end up listening to at some point. I saw him on the TV at Glastonbury performing the track with Justin Vernon, I think. 
Right, and yeah. uh, that looked pretty. That was a pretty great performance. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely definitely an artist I'm interested in, but I haven't heard this album as of yet. Yeah, well, like, like I said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was the, the album carried as an album at first, but then mm-hmm. yeah, I just got I, the sort the song sort of drilled into me like by listening to it just randomly on shuffle, and then like I said, I listened to it again, and it was just like wow, this is actually amazing. Yeah, um, which was it's kind of a unique experience for me because I never really had that where like. I've, I've I've listened to artists on shuffle, but I've never really like not listened to an album in its entirety, other than once, and then listened to it again and actually loved. I don't know. It's just yeah. it's just different. Um, well, some some albums need to be digested strangely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and also, it can be like if the right album hits you at the right moment. Yeah, there's that too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think that the combination of like seeing him live a couple more times and seeing those songs performed, and then like listening to them. And, just randomly on occasions, and then it all culminated together. And I listened to it again. And I was like, "Wow, um, yeah." I think it was just that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it um, take you back to those kind of even yeah, subconsciously yeah, back yeah. to those listening to hear it the first time and stuff. Mm. Totes. Any, any thoughts, Clive? Um, I've not really listened to enough James Blake or barely any, except when it's been like on in the background at cable. So I can't really comment. Sounds sounds good to me, but <laughs> I haven't listened to enough. He's no. someone I want to check out though, because I think it's the kind of thing I will like. Yeah. And I can, I like I can understand people not like getting it straight away because I didn't at all. Mm. Well, I, I I liked his songs. I liked some of the songs that came out at first, and now now I like it all. I like all his albums, but I can definitely understand. It, well, it took me a while to sort of <coughs> fully get it. Mm. Um, but yeah, seeing him live is just something different. I don't know. It's just something about it. I don't know what it is really. It's just more intense and more yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number two time for Clive. Um. <laughs> Stop it with a poo joke. Uh, Nobody's num- making a poo joke. <laughs> Cable did it. I just did a fart noise. Oh, oh. right, okay. <laughs> you missed out. Um, my number two features the number two in the title. It is Boniver 22 a million. <laughs> um, this is a Boniver album that came out this year featuring Justin Vernon. Um, Boniver albums have always been a lang- landmark moment for me. It's a thing that doesn't happen very often. The first came out <clears throat> back in, I think it was probably the third year of uni when I was, I remember the fact I was, I'd um, just screwed up my knee, well, maybe about six months ago. So I was dealing with depression, dealing with the fact I couldn't do any sport and, and dealing with a breakup at the time. And it's, I always remember it as the album of listening to it and going, this guitar sounds quite simple and yet the songs are amazing. And that's what made me actually pick up the guitar and start playing it. Um, so I'll forever be thankful for the album for that. Um, the second came out while I was hitchhiking around South America and I remember listening to it for the first time on the death train in Bolivia, which was also fantastic. So it's got kind of, a, it takes me back to that. This one came out probably less momentous. I listened to it the first time walking to work. Um, but it was <laughs> during probably the most stressful time of my life uh, in my first year of teaching, which I'm still in. Um, it's like we've already mentioned, I had it, I've, I'm not got tons to add other than more personal things but it's way more it's like more adventurous i suppose than the first two in but in different ways um like al has said all three of his albums are very different it's impressive that he's made three great albums that are so different but i think at their core they have similarities uh, like which is sort of shown by the fact that a lot of people feel a lot of nostalgia when listening to this one um, i think that's just because of I don't know, like the vocals and things haven't changed and the way he sings and things like that are still the same, even if the stuff that's going on in the background and some of the instrumentation and stuff is a lot different. 
Um, this probably gave me the reason it's so high up on the list is just yeah gave gave me the feelies, uh, especially the first time <laughs> Eight Circles came on. I was just like fuck, yeah, <laughs> that's really good. Um, yeah, it's just another beautiful album. The last track, um, where the days have no num- numbers, uh, sample is a particular highlight for me as well. From mm. uh, Fionn Regan, I think yeah. is the guy who did the song, which is also a really good song, Abacus. But yeah, I think that's sample's perfect way to kind of finish finish the album, and it's just a really incredible journey. And I appreciate the fact it's not that long. Perfect, because I think Bonnie is someone having not released an album for like whatever five years, he could have easily gone out and done a sixty minute album, but he hasn't, and I appreciate that. So, thanks. Really, really <laughs> good. Also, the cover, pretty cool, mental but cool. So yeah, big fan of this. I think cool. we've probably talked about it enough. <laughs> we have. We do love some Bonnever. we do uh, okay then we're back in Stockton with number two from Michael Johnson do you want to have a guess at this one let's have a look uh, well we've got um, <laughs> we've got OPV um, no you're not going to get this one uh, I don't think I'm going to get this one Orlando Pirate <laughs> <laughs> with their album uh, Valancourt <laughs> that's got to no, happen I'm afraid that was not correct uh, I'll give this one my best pronunciation at number two, I've got Veratilesia by Aransi Pazuzu, <laughs> who are wow. a Finnish metal band whose genre has been described as psychedelic blackmail. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, not just have we metal. Have before on the pod? I don't think I've ever heard of it. Heard, obviously, I've listened to plenty of black metal before, but I don't think I've ever heard anyone described as psychedelic black it- metal. <laughs> are there any kaleidoscopic black metal bands oh, out there? Well, he is one. Right, <laughs> kaleidoscopic <laughs> moments are plenty here, no doubt. Black metal sounds great. Yeah. What, what's, what's the definition of black metal? Just to start off with. Well, it's typically. Black? I mean, I can't. I can't describe the guitar sound technically, although there, there okay. will be a way to. But it basically <laughs> it emerged from Scandinavia in the late eighties and was particularly entrenched in the early nineties by Norwegian bands who were playing okay. a sound, um, a sound of music that was influenced very heavily by Euronymous, the guitarist of Mayhem, who you may remember, we covered that band's story on the on one infamous <laughs> podcast. Um, How will we ever forget? Uh, you know, so, one of my favourite podcast moments ever, that story. <laughs> certainly. I think I might have done it on the same one where I talked about Sleaford Mods, possibly the best one-two punch I've had. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, black metal typically... Um, pretty harsh by metal standards um, and certainly has its own distinctive guitar and vocal styles um, this adds touches of prog and space rock to the sound um, Ar- Aranci Pazuzu apparently roughly translates as Orange Demon so that's the uh, that's what the band have gone with uh, <laughs> I haven't heard anything else by these guys but this one is fantastic um, the translation of the title uh, I, was try- I wanted to figure out what the title meant um, appears to be unintentionally comical according to Google Translate it's Vibrator nice. um, couldn't see anyone commenting on that on the internet so I hope I've got that right But um, typically it's extended jam style compositions which are usually revolving around a central motif um, very reminiscent of post metal in terms of slow burning atmospherics and tribal style drumming it's not overwhelmingly heavy throughout, but it prefers to lock into a groove and really ramp that up. And I would say it's comparable to Swans' most recent output in terms of structure and sound. Uh, it's similar in that it's undeniably weird. 
it's uh, the, one of the highlights. There's there's a 17-minute epic, the title of which is in Finnish and is quite long, so I'm not going to attempt to say that. Um, but oh. has a, yeah, sorry. Uh, but it has a closing section with a snaking, endlessly unfurling riff, which is among the year's finest in the metal genre. Uh, so this is an album that's. it sounds like it was made in the backwaters, again, very reminiscent of Swans, but it is purely forward-thinking in terms of style and an artistic triumph. And my favourite metal album of 2016. And I'll mention, I mean, so as I said, I've got some some of the albums that didn't make my top five. Um, there were so many, just to emphasise what a strong year it was. I'll list some of the other metal acts because basically, some the cream of the crop of underground metal released albums this year: Moon Sorrow, Ulcerate, Death Spell Omega, Meshiga, Vector, Insomnium, Neurosis, and out of all them, this came out on top. I think because um, there weren't a band I was familiar with and. Um, uh, because of that, and because this is such a great album, um, I think it flawed me the most out of all those metal acts. So that comes in at number two on my list. Sweet. That is... Right. Uh, I'm going to shock you here. <laughs> You've not I have this. not listened to this. Not. Uh, this would be a better running uh, soundtrack, I suspect. Uh, yeah, yeah so. possibly. Yeah, I might have to give it a listen. Yeah. I'm our appropriate probably, one anyway. <laughs> it's probably up your pace. Yeah, but well, that's the thing now. I don't want it to up my pace too much too early because right. it really gets me going and then I'm knackered before I'm finished my allotted time. <laughs> I see. I see. Uh, this sounds good. So I've been saying I'm going to delve into Michael's death metal genre albums. Would you recommend... Do you think this is something that might be accessible to me? I don't know or... if it's the best place to start, to be honest. Right, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, just the psychedelic thing is uh, making me oh, interesting because yeah. I like psychedelic. Yeah, it's I mean, it, but but it's pretty trippy by metal standards. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, oh. I might check it out. Right, it's number one time. Woo! Clive, uh, drum roll, number Canada, please. Drum roll. Come on. Drum roll. Oh, sorry, I was just. I think it's pretty obvious to be honest, but. Oh, fucked it. Um, that that'll do. <laughs> Go cable. Uh, okay. Well, I've just read that if well if if Kanye West described my number two, James Blake, as his favourite artist, he's also described uh, Bon Iver as the, his favourite living artist. I don't really know what that means, but whether it means Kanye just doesn't just says these things. Well, oh, that James well, he doesn't think James dead. Blake's alive. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe he thinks James Blake is dead. But... <laughs> maybe he doesn't know who James um, Blake. Is. Yeah, but my number one is um, Bon Iver, twenty-two million, and. You've all kind of pretty much said everything, um, but I'll just say a couple of things. Um, I I pick my list based on what effect the album has, like on me as well as as well as generally the music industry and the world. And I think it's top of the top of my list because of the effect it's had on me, and it's probably the biggest. It probably had the biggest effect out of any album on me this year. Um, when it came out, I listened to it at six o'clock in the morning in my car when I was driving to a meeting because it was the day it came out, and it instantly had an effect on me. It's, You've touched on like the nostalgia effect of it, and yeah, from then on, it just sort of I listened to it constantly for weeks and weeks, and yeah, it's still, it was it's still there after the buzzers died down, and we yeah we talked about it extensively. Um, we're singing its praises. It's innovative. It's exciting. It's innovative, exciting music, but it's through the uh, um, through the resolution of a life crisis. And I just wanted to read out a quote which I found earlier, and um, which I didn't realise. Um, I sort of knew he'd been through a crisis, but. Um, this this is a quote which I found, and yeah, it's by Vernon's longtime friend and former bandmate Trevor Hagen, um, who wrote of the personal crisis that Vernon endured 
which pushed him into writing this album. And he said, This spectacular upheaval of life after these albums provoked an inner storm, a mental sickness of anxiety for Justin. Of course it did. The dream had taken its own life. It all came to a head on an empty Atlantic beach. I bore witness to my friend crying in my arms, lost in a world of confusion and removal. Justin could barely even talk. Um, and then Justin Vernon himself talked about, has talked about it and he said, uh, I think it's that thing of wanting to bash things apart a little bit and to break through some stuff. Um, it needed to sound a little radical for me to feel good about putting some, something out there in the world. And yeah, I think, I think those two quotes sort of sum it up really and some sort of nicely round off what we've all been saying about it. Um, it's, it's an album which is superb in both pushing away and pulling close to its audience um, in the fact that like it's breaking new boundaries, it's very different but it's also, like Clive said, it's true to its core, it's very, there's very, um, a lot of the stuff he does is the same, like his singing is still the same and that invokes that nostalgia. Yeah, it's very different to his other album, but it's just very Bon Iver. And yeah, that's why it's been a born. Top choice. It is. Yep. I don't think there's anything more to say on it, but what an album. I think mm-hmm. by the sounds of it, it's our consensus number one, but we'll see. No, because um, my number one gets the most points automatically. <laughs> right, okay. I wasn't I aware of this. Um, <laughs> my name's Clive Trump. Well, <laughs> at the end of the day... Unless, <laughs> unless you're Swiss, you can fuck off. I, <laughs> I I am the dictator in charge of. Um, I'm going to build a sound today. wall. So I'm going to say that our consensus number one is Lemonade by Beyonce, <laughs> uh, which is my favourite. Um, well, you would um, say that you're raging feminist. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm keeping up my persona as Clive Trump. Yeah. Clive Trump, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, Mr. Trump. Uh, this was some fake news, and you're number one. <laughs> My number one is kill all black people. No, um, <laughs> I'm gonna remove my persona of Trump now. Yeah, it might be the best. Just actually in being case, me. You know, taken seriously by a few national newspapers. <laughs> people will take that quote out of context when I become famous. It's fine. Um, what? <laughs> Struggling. Quite tired. Do you want me to read out, Clive? Yeah, you've <laughs> No, my number one is um, Wildflower by The Avalanches, an album I reviewed possibly on the last podcast, possibly on a podcast before that, I don't really know. Um, it's the second studio album recorded by Australian electronic group The Avalanches. Um, we've already had one psychedelic metal album. This is a psychedelic plunderphonics album, which <laughs> arguably a better genre. <laughs> Unarguably a better genre. Um, <laughs> it's the oh, second album after the initial album Since I Left You which came out in November 2000 so this is um, to any of the great mathematicians out there 17 years later no 16 years later it came out in 2016 <laughs> uh, so quite a long time in the making and understandably because it uses a ridiculous amount of samples um, all from generally speaking kind of 60s and 70s psychedelic music to create a just an awesome soundscape and I mean, who ever thought that I would have an album that's, you know, about an hour long at my number one spot? But I do. And, it, yeah, it's just brilliant. It's got 21 tracks. And they all feature crazy extensive sampling from the 60s and 70s. And it's got this really... There is some, like, some of the wrapping over the top um, is new and done especially for the songs. But generally speaking, it's all just a load of old samples mashed together and they sound... Uh, it's, 
so perfect together it's hard to think that they were ever <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that some of them obviously sound like they're from the 70s some of the like um singing and stuff you wouldn't know that it was like that it feels like it was meant to be but it's just one of these albums that i think for me anyway like cable saying that have a big effect on you this doesn't you know because it's such a kind of happy album it's not going to affect you in a necessarily deep emotional way as such because i don't think that's a, a feeling happiness is is as much of a deep emotional experience necessarily but um i think this album just like i could literally be in the shittest mood and i put this on <laughs> and immediately feel great uh, it's just brilliant it's such a happy great celebration of music for me and what music can do and just it's the sort of passion that must have gone into creating something like this and the I just have no, you know, I can't comprehend the amount of work it must require to put this of samples together and make them work and beat match everything. And, you know, there's so many things going on here. It's absolutely brilliant. I just absolutely love it. And it's it's made me listen to their first album, which I'm absolutely loving now as well. So it could well be one of my favourite bands soon. But, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And apparently it's kind of a, a sort of... You know, LSD trip is kind of what it's supposed to be, I think. And it, it feels a bit like that, yeah. I, I think it's not that I've ever done LSD, but yeah, I think it's just a... <laughs> it is a kind of adventure into a little bit like, but better than, um, Youth Lagoon's Wondrous Bug House, which is a fabulous album as well. But this does that thing a little bit better. It just takes you on this wonderful, fantastical journey of some weird acid trip like Alice in Wonderland or... Don't know, just your own little journey. It's beautiful. Listen to it. Really, really wow. good. I love it. And it's just like I would never have expected this type of thing would be at my number one. <laughs> but I just every time I play it, I'm amazed by how great it is. And and it is definitely an album album. There are songs you could take out of it, but it works so much better as just a, everything flows into each other brilliantly. And there's so much. It doesn't take itself too seriously either, which I love. There's random bits about ethereal cereal, and uh, oh, there's a great line about Cheerios. Which <laughs> I'm gonna have to look it up and get back to you later. But yeah, that's my number one. I'm gonna look up that line now. So carry right. on talking. Is it um, something about them being cheery? Oh, so good. <laughs> no, it's better than that. <laughs> Right, any any comments on this? I, okay, I, well, if you yeah, to this. I really like this album. I've not, I've obviously not listened to it as much as Clive, but I, yeah, I really liked it when I was put it on. Um, it is really happy and cleverly done. Michael, any thoughts? Yep, when Clive first talked about this album, I hadn't heard anything by the Avalanches, but I've since heard both albums. Uh, oh, since I left you is masterful, and this isn't far behind either. This would probably have been sixth or seventh on my list. Um, I think it's brilliant. And guess who's playing their first US show in 16 years at Coachella? The Avalanches. Yeah. <laughs> what a cock. I, I, think, I, think, I, think if you, I think if you read between the lines there, you'll see. And guess who the fuck's going? It's me, Michael Johnson. <laughs> um, I found the line. Go on. Just woke up so you know the scenario. I'm craving cereal like Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Frosted Flakes, I might munch, but what popped in my mind is Captain Crunch. You know, things like that, brilliant. You know, what's, what's rapping the, about uh, cereal. Awesome. What's the Sleaford Mods lyric about cereal? Oh, Kellogg's cunts. Kellogg's cunts, that's it. England fucking shredded wheat Kellogg's cunts. They've got also a, a good cereal lyric. They've, they've got a new album out this week, don't they? English Tapas. Yeah. Oh, oh do they? Exciting. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I can't that's wait. 
Brilliant yeah. title. I've just realised this entire verse is about cereal, and I did not know it. It's quite long as well. Good work. Got my, got my milk and cereal, made sure it was cold, sat down at the table and said my grace, because I knew that was about to take place. Yum, yum, eat them up, my belly says. The crunch is so loud, everybody jumped out of their bed. Is that a, is, are these original lyrics, or are they samples from somewhere? Um, they're by Bismarcky. I think they're new ones, but okay. I don't know. These cool. particular ones. Right. I hope so, because they're fucking great. I mean, <laughs> a verse about cereal, that is genius. Sorry, cool. but it just is. Right. I think Della Soul did the same thing on uh, Super Fast Jellyfish by Gorillaz. Maybe you, should check, maybe you should check um, that I out. I should. I'm a big fan of cereal. This might be a genre, actually. I actually don't eat cereal, but... <laughs> big fan of the idea of it. I'm sure there's someone else who mentioned cereal. Well, the concept of cereal. cereal. <laughs> <laughs> I used to eat cereal. This it feels nostalgic. <laughs> anyway, this is, this is trippy. Um, Good. Also appropriate. Trippy. Also trippy. Yeah. Um, before Michael's number one, I'm going to have a try and guess it. it is... We've got ATCQ, Ellipsis, TY4YS. Fucking hell. I don't have a clue what that is. Save us from this pain. That's got like 10 words in it. I can't handle it. With his number one, Michael Johnson. Thank you. Well, any hip-hop heads know that ATCQ is one of the most famous abbreviations in uh, in hip-hop, uh, a tribe yeah, called I've Quest. Got I've got it. Uh, with oh, their album. Right. We got it from here. Thank you for your service. Bit of background to this one. Their first album in 18 years. Um, split up after the previous album. Uh, a couple of years ago, they decided, after performing on TV as a reunion, I think, to uh, have a stab at another album. Um, during the making of which, Fife Dog, um, legendary rapper, died. But, uh, I mean, personally, I'm not a, a big fan of bands reuniting, especially after that length of time. Uh, so my initial attitude was that I wasn't particularly interested in this. But with the amount of buzz that it was getting uh, up on release, uh, I did end up listening to it. And um, my expectations were completely disarmed because of that. But it's, I think it's almost miraculous how good this album is in those circumstances. Uh, it's far and away the best hip-hop album that I've heard um, this year. Obviously, I mentioned that I haven't heard some albums like Chance the Rapper, uh, and I've, I've ranked it at number one overall. It's the same basic jazz style of production that they were always uh, known for, but it sounds incredible, very much modernised. It just shows that if the beats are strong enough, the style won't particularly matter, it'll still resonate. It doesn't sound remotely dated. Uh, it regularly dips into R&B in terms of style as well. Uh, Q-Tip, who was really always the... Um, the main focus of the band lyrically, in my opinion at least. Some people might find that controversial. Uh, but he sounds effortlessly brilliant throughout this. Uh, I gave it a recent re-listen, and out of the 16 tracks, they all appeal, which I think is is very difficult to do across a lengthy album. Um, I'd say it's, bu it's bookended by two of the decade's finest hip-hop hip tracks. It opens with The Space Programme and closes with The Donald. And I think that really, uh, yeah, it gives it a great sense of structure. Uh, the track We The People is also notable, very provocative lyrics. Because um, th this is, um, I mean, the album, it has a great topical balance. There's nothing about cereal, I've got to say. That um, is disappointing. I know, yeah. So they have, there is a flaw there, there's a flaw there. <laughs> but um, it manages to be more political, um, I'd say, than any of their previous work, while still staying true to the generally very playful A Tribe Called Quest style. Uh, it's packed with guests, uh, not in a bad way, but uh, all stars all the way. Andre 3000 again, Kendrick Lamar, Kanye, 
Buster Rhymes, who has long been uh, affiliated with a tribe called Quest. Um, there's loads of examples of incredible lyricism, countless examples, but Ego, just the, the penultimate track of the album is one that's that sort of struck me, um, just as a standalone track. Amazing lyrics, if you listen to that. Um, I think it's not really any surprise that 2016 was so strong when a long dormant hip-hop project like this can reignite and produce as spectacular an album out of nowhere. Um, and it is an all-star juggernaut of a hip-hop record and my favourite of 2016. And uh, just before we open the floor on that, just some of the other the acts that didn't make my list who also released great albums in the year for me. Um, Radiohead, Kanye West, Swans, The Avalanches, as we already mentioned, Drake, uh, Future, Run The Jewels, Deftones, Beyonce, and possibly making Beyonce the only person ever to release their best album only to be upstaged in many people's eyes by, the, by their little sister, Solange, as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was 2016 for me. Top year. Mic drop. Boom! <laughs> it's not the noise a mic makes when it gets dropped. No. Uh, it's more like a... Sort of now Have you just trashed your mic? Yeah, just, you know, rock I'm not roll. buying you another one. <laughs> right. Um, I, I really like that album. I've not listened to it. We, we listened to a couple of tracks in my car because I put, you know, our oh, playlist. Cool. I could put some on that. And you liked, you liked the one when it came on. Cool. Um, yeah, it's really good. I need to listen to it some more. I'll definitely yeah. get it. It's going straight to the top Probably. of my list. I'm going to listen to it tomorrow. Run the Jewels, you, uh, you mentioned as well. That's I really like that album. Run the Jewels. Yeah, that, that, that just snuck in at the end of the year. Yeah, but I think it's their best one. Um, it's it's yeah. uh, the longest. Yeah, it does, the quality doesn't dip. I really no. like it. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, I'm I'm considering it for 2017. I think because it was uh, physically released then. True. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an excuse. <laughs> and uh, I just I just did a quick Google, and apparently Kendrick Lamar did a song called Cartoon and Cereal. Oh, this is wow. c- cereal's all the rage. I don't know. There's this... I need to write a song about cereal. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, have, I don't have the material yet. I need to start eating cereal. Cereal rhymes with material. That could be a yeah. job. <laughs> it rhymes with everything. <laughs> Maybe that's why there's so a many cereal, cereals. A cereal cereal. Yeah, could be done. Venereals. Will this ever end? Uh, um. um on the mentioning other albums that uh, I already mentioned stuff that missed out my top 10 other things I really like Tiny Moving Parts 65 Days of Static Parker Mills Sap Explosions in the Sky Go Go Penguin yeah. Open Mike Eagle No Name Lucy Dacus Tim Becker uh, Anderson Park Dot or is it Anderson Dot Park I believe it's Anderson <laughs> Dot Park uh, yeah Chairlift loads of people really really good year well good and there's still tons of stuff I haven't listened to to be honest like that uh, Tribe Called Quest album just so much stuff to listen to. It's like crazy. Antibacterial cereal. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Right, you hit the nail on the head. I'll come back to you tomorrow with that as a song. Been struggling for material. Antibacterial <laughs> cereal. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm Michael. Michael, what's what's happened to your watch? It appears to have stopped working. Oh, oh shit! What's the time? For fuck's sake! I... It's plugged time. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna go with that? At Stickeroundcast <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> stickeroundpodcast.com on the interweb, uh, facebook.com/slash stickeroundpodcast on Facebook, obviously. 
patreon.com slash stick around if you want to throw money at us or fund the cost of hosting the website which is getting ever more extortionate the more the pound drops <laughs> and hopefully the troll will drop soon we are, as well. we are aiming to be the most famous uh, unsigned podcast podcast yeah most but famous podcast unsigned hype right here yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly uh, Instagram we're on that I think it's slash stick around on Instagram pictures of us Michael looking like a snail Plus playing pool some karaoke pictures maybe we, take a, maybe we should take a picture now which we're going to Instagram yeah do it get a picture me of my right me, me hobbit yeah. neck <laughs> um, not even sure it's that hobbit like really but you it? said it mm. no it's not really it's too long I more think. giraffe like yeah, yeah that, <laughs> definitely more giraffe like uh, anything else that I've missed oh email us stickaroundpodcast.gmail.com make sure you I'm just doing a cool hand movement because <laughs> take, someone's taking a picture of me um, <laughs> give us five give star it, reviews yeah give us five star reviews on iTunes subscribe on whatever podcast app you've got <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that picture's fantastic, so definitely get on the Instagram. <laughs> uh, <laughs> happened live, wasn't staged whatsoever. Um, yeah, that's about it, I think. That's also yeah. just email me and tell me you love me. Kind of need yeah. it. So thanks. Yeah. 2017 officially starts in March for, t- for Stick Around. <laughs> it does, yeah. We're, we're kind of like the Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the normal calendar. We do what we want. We'll, Ours we'll go be- by the revolution of the. Um, what are those new planets they've discovered? Oh, I forgot the name. Yeah, I forgot the name. I know you're on about. Trappius. I don't know. Making it up. Um, yeah, we go by well, those uh, revolutions. We'll, we'll be back with a new episode next time. I'm not sure exactly which when one. When is the Chinese um, New Year? Just whenever they feel like it. Okay. It's in between. <laughs> Do what they want. Do January the 19th and February the 20th or something like that. But okay. it's, to do, it's to do with the moon and that. Uh, sorry, Al, interrupted your very important yeah, comment no, there about what's okay. coming next. It's all right. I believe we'll be back with probably games or films next, I believe. Probably, yeah. Quite excited. I've got stuff to talk about. Um, my film, my actual top five films list has changed radically since because I've been able to catch up on 2016 releases, so I'll talk about that a bit. Seeing a couple of corkers. Yeah, Oscars talk. Cool. It's going to be psych. Yeah. I am psyched. We be psyched. Psyched? <laughs> right. Okay, thanks very much for listening, guys. And uh, welcome to Happy New Year, I suppose. (laughs) Happy New Stick Around Year. Yeah. To all of you guys. I'm excited to bring you lots of 2017 content. Um, In your faces. (laughs) In your faces. More like in your ears. More in your ears, yeah. Yeah. All right. See you later, guys. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Stick around. Stick around. Ich will deine babies. Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around What the hell does that mean? Well, it's a swinglish It was more jinglish, German and English uh, it was, I want your babies, but babies were said in English, okay. as you may have noticed. <laughs> <laughs>